I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at music's effect on our everyday lives. My guest today is innovative music educator, composer, and space enthusiast, Lori Orth. Lori has combined the disciplines of music and space exploration to create a pipeline for young people into STEAM educational programs. STEAM is the acronym for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. Throughout her career, Lori has taught music lessons in school and church settings. She also sings professionally. Lori has a Master of Music Education degree and currently teaches on her YouTube channel. Lori has presented at several conferences, including Nassau Johnson Space Center's Space Exploration Educators Conference. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Lori. Thanks, Mindy. I'm so glad to be here. Lori, tell us the story of how you came to have a passion for space exploration and how you came to combine that with your passion for music education. My space fan thing started when my son was in college. He was studying mechanical engineering at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and decided to change his major to a new program that they had called commercial space operations. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if it was lucrative. And so I looked into it. Wise mother checking into that. (laughs) Yeah. And um, commercial space operations is um, things that have to do with rocket launches that don't involve the engineering aspect. Um, Things like payload integration, orbital mechanics, human factors, things like that and mission control. And I looked into it. I went to the NASA website. I read articles about all sorts of NASA missions and enjoyed it. And then I went to the NASA STEM website as an educator myself. I was like, wow, what else do you guys have? And Uh loved that part of their website. And I just got so caught up in it. And I would watch YouTube tutorials with people like Scott Manley and Tim Dodd, the everyday astronaut and another YouTube show called TMRO. And I listened to podcasts like casual space and just loved learning about space and rockets and astronauts and missions. And so that happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a music educator. And I was in the middle of teaching a group of middle school students and ran into some challenges keeping them engaged. Mm -hmm. And so space came to the rescue and I brought that, my love of space into the classroom. They were star Wars fans and I'm not really a star Wars fan, but (laughs) space and rockets is pretty close. And so it was a, a way to build a bridge to connect to my students. And it was primarily the music, the songs that they were playing on the recorders that weren't connecting, right? The hot cross buns just wasn't quite cutting it for your middle school students. Yeah. Uh, Learning recorder is usually taught at younger ages for eight and nine-year-old students. And I had a group of nine to 13-year-olds and they had never had the recorder before. And I thought, great, we're going to start. They needed beginner music because they were beginners. And I purchased some beginner recorder literature. And it is three note songs. Mary had a little lamb, hot cross buns, go Uh tell aunt roadie. And these kids were like, this is not really that fun. And they were losing interest. And so, um, 
Yeah, I think all of us music educators have been there where we have had a beginner who is maybe not in the age group that most beginners tend to fall into. And you get that beginner repertoire out and you're like, "Uh, this is not going to (laughs) work. Yeah. So I created some music for them that was space themed. And And I think it's interesting, too, how you even came to that point, because you were just listening to their conversations and the conversations happened to be about Star Wars. Is that right? That is correct. They were talking about Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon before class. And I thought, Uh okay, let's start class. And they were not really stopping their conversation. And I wanted to gather them and, okay, let's move into the music classroom and start. And so I said, do you guys want to learn about reusable rockets? And they just, that would like, they were stunned. <laughs> and they're like, what is she talking about? And I said, there's this company called SpaceX and they have reusable rockets. And so their eyes just got really big and they just stood there and listened. And it was like light bulbs going off. Uh-huh. They were so excited to learn about this. They'd never heard of it. And this was a couple of years ago. SpaceX has gotten more and more popular over the years, yeah. but this was in 2017 and they were doing... Um, rocket launches. They were sending um, commercial resupply ships up to the International Space Station. But if you weren't paying attention, if you weren't really into that niche of of stuff, you wouldn't have known it. Sure. So my, my students became space fans because we would talk about it in music class. Mm-hmm. And from there, you started composing songs that were related to space exploration. You began writing lyrics. You got your kids involved in the process of writing lyrics and doing the research. Tell us about that. I wish I could say I planned it, and I I didn't plan it. (laughs) I think that's the beauty of it, honestly, is you're just being aware and alert of where your students are at the moment and running with it. Right. And I also have to say that I was teaching music to homeschoolers, And I had my own business as an independent consultant. And so I could do what I wanted and I could go and be innovative and and keep with a subject if I saw that that was working for my students. And so that's what we did with the recorder. So I started writing space themed recorder music, not songs. And we stuck with that for a while and it was wonderful. And every week they were like, what are you going to write for us next week? And we had pictures and, and visual things that we would look at and that would start the class and then we would transition to the music. And after a while, I asked them for input and I said, what should I write about? What's the next thing you want me to write about? And so they gave me some prompts about, um, is there sound in space? And what about the dwarf planets? And so I wrote some songs where I looked up all the information, mm-hmm. created the lyrics and that took a while. Um, and then I said, you guys are in middle school. You can look this stuff up too. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start researching and write a, a poem and rhyming lyrics and give it to me and then I'll go write some music for it. Mm-hmm. And that became their, their thing. And they were like, well, my poem's going to be better than your poem because, <laughs> you know, your poem, and so they're just being middle school kids. Right. And it was this wonderful emotional investment that I never thought would happen, never planned to happen. And I certainly wasn't seeing it happen when we were playing the traditional recorder music. Uh huh. Well, that's, that's really exciting how they were spurring each other on and learning from one another and inspiring each other to do better. 
and come up with better lyrics and better poems and better research. And another way it sounds like they did that is by helping each other learn the music because they all wanted to continue this process and move on to the next song and the next topic that they got to learn about with the song. But I think the rule was that you couldn't do that as a class until everyone in the class passed the current song. Is that right? That is correct. I I wrote songs in order to reuse the accompaniment. I thought, okay, I've got one accompaniment. I'll write five songs. Mm. That was the groove that I was getting in. And I could get the most out of that accompaniment. And I just made each song progressively harder. And so each song had its own picture which with its own space um, information about it. And the students had to play what was in front of them in the book proficiently Mm -hmm. before we could turn the page and learn about the next space thing. Uh-huh. And so the space hook fed their curiosity and made them practice and kept them together as a group and their music reading improved mm-hmm. because of the space. Yeah. Did you see much of helping each other out educationally? Like, oh, you know, we, we want to pass this song and there's, you know, a couple kids who just aren't quite getting the rhythm down here, you know, we're going to help you. And helping their peers get things like the rhythm down or something like that so that together they could all pass the song. Absolutely. They were so competitive in a nice way. You know, you just got to picture 10, 11, 12 year old boys and girls saying things like, don't play in the rest. Okay. It's (laughs) da, 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 rest. And, you know, it's, it it was very, um, well, they were friendly about it, but it was fun. And there's there's the, positive peer pressure. And, yeah. yeah. The emotional and, input and output that was happening was, it was really fun. And each, each week was like an emotional investment because it was just not what they were used to. Yeah. Tell us about, just real quick, about some of the song titles that kids came up with. Um, well, I guess I just have to say the one that really caught my attention was, not only skate park on the moon, but titles like barfing in space. Like that just totally sounds like something a middle school kid would come up with. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Any other memorable titles or lyrics that came through the class? Skate park on the moon was the first one that was um, created by one of my students. And that was about the topography of the moon and about craters and mares. And um, it was really cool. And the, refrain is um, skate park on the moon 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 and then the next one was moon hang time vacation and that was a short poem about going to the moon and i rewrote some of it to be about a falcon 9 going on a mission and the different parts of the rocket launch that would happen in sequence and i have rewritten that a few times one to be about um the next version of a rocket, which is the SpaceX company's creating something called a um, Starship, and it's a great big rocket. So there are different things that will happen in that. There'll be a propellant transfer station that happens in orbit, and so I've worked that into the song. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've worked in the lyrics, um, translunar injection, that's in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then barfing in space happened because one of my students ask what happens when an astronaut has to barf in space. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was just reading about that. Oh, really? And, <laughs> yes. I was expecting you to say, uh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> no, I had. And uh, he was, he was as surprised as you. And I said, 
I was just reading about that in Scott Kelly's book. He's an American astronaut, and he spent a year in space on the International Space Station. And he wrote a wonderful book about it called Endurance. And in it, he describes how astronauts who would come and go on the space station would always have this period of adjustment. And it always involved a lot of nausea because they're in zero gravity and their inner ear doesn't know which way is up or down. And it can take a long time to get used to that. And they throw up and they have NASA barf bags. And I just was so intrigued by all that. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to put that in the song. But I said <laughs> you, to this young boy, I said, I need you to create all the lyrics. So he and his sisters did. Their parents were taking them on a trip from Georgia, where I live, to Texas, and in a minivan with eight <laughs> siblings. And oh. they were like creating these rhyming lyrics, and their mother was texting them to me every 50 miles. Oh, wow. And they were hilarious. It was like, ew, spew, blue, yuck, he is stuck in the upchuck. <laughs> and I was just like, it's, it's going to be great. <laughs> It's so much fun. And I laughed till I cried writing that song. And then I brought it into class and I said, George, I wrote you barfing in space and just the smile on his face, like that I took him seriously and that we had this song now. And I said, all right, class, we're going to sing barfing in space. And then we're going to play it on the recorders. And his friends who had written things that they thought were really cool at the time, like moon hang time vacation, all of a sudden are like, Failed well, in comparison. Yeah. So we, we sang it and these boys were making yak noises like middle school boys and, I can and all of imagine. that. Yes. And it was such a fun day. And then we had to play it and it was, tr it was tricky. And, you know, it's like buckle down, focus, you know, we uh -huh. want to play it. And so they did. And it was just the coolest amount of focus that was never happening before when we were sure. playing Go Tell Aunt Rhody. And it was harder than what they had been doing. Yeah. Um, and it was such a, I mean, to say I was so proud. I really was. Oh, I was really I'm sure. proud of that. Yeah. Well, I can totally see how this combination of those two disciplines of music and space exploration can keep everyone 100% engaged in class. And then a quote from your website that I can also totally see. I love this quote of yours. The arts and sciences must coexist today to create tomorrow's creative and innovative workforce and can totally see how this combination and what you were doing with class can create that creative and innovative thinking that our next generation needs, we need in them for our, for our future workforce. Thank you to our sponsor, Sonics. Sonics is an AI transcription service that automatically converts your audio and video files to text and can translate that text to over 40 languages. Sonics has millions of users from all over the world. Their industry-leading speech-to-text algorithms are fast, accurate, and affordable, with a typical hour-long audio or video file transcribing in five minutes. You can easily search, edit, and share your media files. Sonics transcripts make the most of your hard work and allow you to repurpose your content easily and efficiently. If you want to increase traffic to your website and improve accessibility and shareability, start transcribing today with Sonics. Sign up for a free trial at sonics.ai. I understand there are several astronauts who are also musicians. Can you tell us what you know about this? 
Yes. And I keep saying, if I send it out into the universe, eventually I'm going to meet these people. Yeah. Um, so one of the most famous is Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield. He plays the guitar and sings. And there are videos on YouTube of him singing lots of David Bowie from the International Space Station. Oh, cool. And there is a guitar up there on the space station. Oh. Um, Jessica Meir is a astronaut from the United States, and she plays the piccolo and the saxophone. And I heard her speak on a podcast before her time going up to the International Space Station. And she talked about, yeah, I'm bringing a saxophone mouthpiece because there's this, there is a saxophone on station. Oh. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. Like, really? There is? And so now, and then I went and looked and I found pictures of her playing the saxophone and the piccolo. And then there's an astronaut by the name of Katie Coleman, and she's a flute player. And she was given a flute by a rock star, um, the rock star Ian Anderson, who's in the rock band Jethro Tull. Mm. And he gave her his flute and she took it up to the ISS. And <sighs> then she played a duet with him. Now, I don't know how they did this because this was like, I don't know, in the 2007, it was, wow. there was, there's a delay. I don't know how they yeah. figured it out, <laughs> but she played and he played. And you can go listen to that on YouTube. And um, wow. there's a keyboard on the International Space Station. Um, there are, you could just Google in uh, pictures, images of astronauts playing instruments in space. Oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then you see them and it's, it's so cool. And I just think, well, especially because of what I've taught to have a bulletin board in your classroom of, look, these are astronauts playing their instruments in space. Wow. That's I awesome. Think it would be very motivational. Yes, definitely. Talk to us about the def the difference between STEM and STEAM and where you see the U.S. education world currently on that transition from STEM to STEAM. And for listeners uh, who may not be as familiar with that, STEAM is that acronym I mentioned in the introduction. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. And it was formerly known as STEM, and some people still really are, are stuck on that STEM, but a lot of people are saying the arts is really a crucial piece of this. So talk to us about where you see educators being and transitioning from that STEM mindset to a STEAM mindset that recognizes that importance of the arts. Um, you know, do you see two very separate camps or do you see us on this trajectory or this transition in a spectrum? I see that there are definitely two different camps. STEM can be very um, technically focused without the arts at all. And that's why I was so big about, hey, wait a minute, you know, you need the creative part mm -hmm. to make innovation happen. Mm -hmm. And and then so STEAM has come from the STEM world. And the A in STEAM can stand for lots of different things. There's lots of people that are like, oh no, it stands for art, just art, visual art, the end. Uh -huh. Or it stands for art and design. So it still has that technical side, sort of like computer-aided design. Okay. Um, and then I like to use the bigger, broader, the arts, so that because I'm a musician and it encompasses yeah. everything. Theater, you know, yeah. there's a, um, a university in Charleston that did a big collaboration with NASA with their theater department. And they put on an educational program for elementary school students. And it was about going to outer space. And it was a drama. Mm. Now think about that. That's drama. That's not even 
art or music. Yeah. And, and yet those students that watched that are going to get so much out of it. So I think the arts and humanities, I've also attended conferences where they have arts and humanities, mm-hmm. where they have, um, someone who's a NASA seamstress who talks about sewing things like ah. parachutes or parts of the international space station or spacesuits. Uh-huh. And those are, you know, where does that discipline fall? It comes yeah. under the arts and the humanities or the history of women in space or something that's sure. humanities. And I think all of that is important. And so my whole thing is I understand STEM, but I don't want it to exclude the arts because yeah. sure. it's so important. And some kids will only come to school because they want to go to their choir class mm-hmm. or they want to go to music. And that's why they're going to school. The end. Yeah. That's the fun part of the day, you know, and I don't want to, it's so sad that a lot of times first thing that gets cut is arts. Right. I, I know you mentioned NASA's STEM education website, and I understand you get some of your inspiration from that site. Are there any other resources that you find especially inspiring when you create your space themed recorder music or just related to steam in general? Well, I do use the NASA website, both their regular NASA.gov site and their um, .gov slash STEM sites. Okay. Lots of information. Um, you can get lost. <laughs> you really can get lost in there. Uh, you have to know what you're looking for. Lots of um, rabbit holes to follow. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's how I became a space fan. Sure. Um, so I do get a lot of things from there, but there's also something called, have you heard of Flickr? Um, Flickr are photo albums. Yeah, And it's yeah. a... a online platform and SpaceX has a Flickr album and it's public and you can just type in SpaceX Flickr album and you get to see all these beautiful photographs Mm -hmm. of rocket launches and satellite releases in the daytime and at nighttime and at Kennedy Space Center at Cape Canaveral and at Vandenberg Air Force Base out in California and they're beautiful pictures. Uh I love to look at them and those have been so helpful because they're so colorful and the students love them. Oh, I bet. So that's been a good one. And then also I like to look up um, NASA coloring page images or um, images of space related things. And then there's coloring pages that you can get and you can download for free. Okay. And, you know, adults color for stress relief. Great. Kids like to color. Um, and they have age-appropriate ones for really young children, and then they have some that are much more detailed for kids as they get more fine motor skill and things like that. So I love those. Oh, very cool. Can you tell us real quick about some of the special roles that you play, like Space Foundation Teacher Liaison and NASA Social Media Influencer? Sure. You've had some fun fun roles related to that. Tell us about those. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the NASA social media influencer. I attended a space educators conference and then became a member of their Facebook group. And after the conference was over, people would post about programs or special educational things. And someone posted about, hey, you can apply to become a NASA social media influencer. And I kind of blew it off, but then I was like, no, I want to see what this is about. And I read it and it's, you know, if you have a big social media footprint, apply. And I thought, well, mine is really small. I have a YouTube channel, but it's, it's small. 
and you had to fill out an application, which I did. And it's like, tell us about your unique audience in your social media handles and why you would be a good fit for this because they wanted to reach other people that weren't already in their network. Mm. And so I was like, well, I'm a music teacher. I got music students. I bet they're not in your regular network. <laughs> and I put that in the application and I received a, you're on the waiting list okay. reply from them. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I made it yeah. pretty far. And I'll tell you what this was for. This was, um, they usually have them for launches, rocket launches, and uh, maybe like if they're going to do an engine test fire. Uh, this particular one was to go to Washington, D.C. and attend one day at the International Astronautical Congress and have a tour of NASA headquarters. Ooh. I know. And I was like, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'll fill this thing out. Yeah. So, I did. And then they sent me back, Hey, you're on the wait list. Would you like to stay on the wait list? And I said, yes. And if I kind of thought nothing's going to happen, I'd, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I got another email. Congratulations. You've been, you know, accepted. And I thought, well, I can't go. And my husband's looking at me like, what do you mean you can't go? And I said, well, I have a concert, you know, my, my choral society that I volunteer for is singing this big Puccini mass. I've been practicing it for months. I can't miss it. And he said, you can fly back during the day and you can go straight to the concert. Huh. And I was like, huh, good. And so he got on the phone and had all of his points from traveling. And I got, you know, his free airfare and a free place to stay. I went. Uh, so and it was, was super, it, it was super amazing. There were about 30 people that were in the group with the social media influencers, many teachers and their social media outreach was at their school. Like if their school had a, you know, a, a YouTube channel. So it wasn't huge, but there were some people that were very big, very big. And they had, you know, bells and whistles and like phones on selfie sticks. And they had phones with little, um, handheld microphones with wind protectors on them. And they just looked so put together. And I was like, I'm just looking around. <laughs> um, and they were interviewing people, like really, like walking up to these NASA people and just saying, so tell me about your job. I have this social media. Sure. Um, it was really, really cool. But I got to walk on their um, expo floor, which was all the space agencies in the world were there. Um, all the aerospace companies wow. were there. And I got to meet somebody from a company in the Netherlands called Space Buzz, and they had this big trailer that looked like a rocket. It was like a semi truck. Um, and you could go inside it and you put on the virtual reality glasses and then you could see the overview effect that astronauts see when they're in space. Oh, wow. And so that was so amazing. I met a gentleman who worked, works at the MIT media lab for space exploration. And one of the things he did was he was creating instruments that would work in outer, you know, in, in zero gravity. Uh Um, so we've gotten to visit and chat and connected after that. I met a gentleman who was a young, a young engineer for the applied physics lab. And in my book that I eventually wrote for my students, I have a section on the Parker solar probe and I showed it to him and he said, yeah, I worked on that mission. Hey, if you ever want to know any updates about the solar probe, let me know. Here's my card. Oh, wow. Uh, I, was yeah. just, I was like, that is so cool. And then United Launch Alliance was there and they're a big rocket manufacturing company. 
had a whole bunch of young engineers. I showed them the pictures of the Parker Solar Probe because it went up on a ULA rocket. And they loved it. They were like, oh my gosh, if I'd have had a music teacher like you teaching us about rockets, (laughs) I had to learn hot cross buns. (laughs) So anyway, that was, that was that trip. And I met other people there and we got to listen to Jim Bridenstine talk. He's the administrator for NASA. We got to go through NASA headquarters space operations center, which is like this big um, conference room where you can see what's happening on the ISS. Like we'll see, look up there and you might see an astronaut float by it's real time. It's like Uh, behind the scenes. Wow. Um, And they had all these top scientists come and talk to us and we could film them. We were like, it was almost like being naughty children because all of us had our cameras out taking pictures of them the entire time they were presenting. Wow. That but sounds, that's, that sounds yeah. absolutely incredible. You mentioned SpaceX a few times. I bet you're really following everything that they're doing this year as they prepare for that all civilian launch. Yes, I am. And they just announced um, two more people that are going to go. Okay. And um, it's, it's super exciting. They're going to have to go and train, you know, yep. um, it's not like you, it's not an amusement park ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I think one day you're going to be on one of those launches and I'll get to say, I talked to this woman before she went up in space. <laughs> I think they're going to have to have a portal or something beam me up before, you know, it's going to have to be a lot easier than, you know, the eight months in a little tiny spacecraft. That's sure. That's quite a commitment. That's intense. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you also mentioned your book, and I will for sure be including links in the show notes to your Rocket Recorder book and also to your YouTube channel where you do your teaching. Uh, I know we're kind of running out of time here, so I'll have you close things out for us. I I ask all of my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Tell us about the song or songs that you're going to be sharing with us today. I created an accompaniment and a demo album for Rocket Recorder so that when music teachers purchase the book, they can also purchase the accompaniment and play it. And I have wonderful accompaniments that my sister helped create. And my sister's also a music educator and a jazz pianist. And she created all of the accompaniments with an app called iReal Pro. Mm. And it's where you put all the chord changes in and then you can select the style. And you can keep changing the style however you want. And it's still the same chord changes. It's really a fun app. And I had all those accompaniments and I want, I took them into a recording studio right before the lockdown last year and recorded them all. And it was really cool because she was in New York and I was in Georgia. And yet you can't tell because we're, um, we were put together through the sound engineer and some of the songs are her playing the piano and some of them are her arrangements. And then I got to sing along with her and it was so sweet. and It was so special. And at the end of the recording sessions, I had some extra time and I brought in some other songs. I brought in um, her playing Fly Me to the Moon, When You Wish Upon a Star, Blue Moon, and then um, another one. And so we recorded those as well. But what I brought for you was Elements of Orbit. And that's the two of us singing, um, me singing and, and her accompaniment. And that song is in Rocket Recorder.
That was so fun hearing about the holistic way of combining space exploration and music in a way that exponentially increases the learning in both subjects. My husband and I took our kids to Kennedy Space Center several years ago when we were in Florida. And I remember being blown away by how fragile the spacecraft pieces seemed. I was expecting something more like a tank or a submarine, something really sturdy that would protect our astronauts against the huge changes that they would experience. And it seemed like these different components were more like wire hangers with aluminum foil (laughs) wrapped around them. I can only imagine how much more impactful that visit to Kennedy Space Center would be for Lori's students with all that they already know going in from their music classes. Thank you so much, Lori, for sharing with us today and for all you do to enhance lives with music. Thanks also for the many resources that you shared with us today. There are tons of great links to all of them in today's show notes, including ways to connect with Lori and get your hands on her Rocket Recorder book. There is also a transcription of this episode in the show notes. You'll find everything at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 93. While you're there, connect with me. You can leave a comment right in the episode page or click any of the social media buttons to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing the show with your friends and family. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.